0: Hi, friends, welcome to the like minded radicals, the podcast designed for individuals like you, who believe there's a better way to work and live. Hello, friends, and welcome to the very first episode of the like minded radicals, the little podcast that could I don't know about you, but I think it's time for a workplace revolution, one that celebrates our innate gifts and creates an opportunity for us each to express who we are, not to squash it. I am so honored to have as my first guest, former venture capitalist turned founder of the Conscious Business Institute, author, and I suspect soon to be guru, the one and only Peter Matisse. Peter, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Kendra. It's so cool to be here.
0: So I started, I met you through the Conscious Business Institute, which I definitely want to get into, but let's start kind of simple, kind of not. Who is Peter Matthijs today?
1: Oh, an ever-evolved being. (laughs) I'm trying to remind myself every day that I'm not a physical being stuck here on this planet, but I'm really a spiritual being having a physical experience because that, that would change everything. Yeah. So right like now I've I've done a lot in the work of conscious business and transforming the workplace and I'm currently personally at a transition where it is um even more from from doing to being. And uh, when I hear people that talk to me they say Peter you're here to become the lake to reflect back to people and that's all you need to do.
0: I love that. I love that. Um you've been on a journey and I want to get to the kind of journey that led you to create the conscious business, but hearing you just say with what you just said, knowing that your past, you were a venture capitalist definitely feels like there was probably some misalignment. What was that first kind of crack in the facade that had you really understanding this idea that you are a, a spiritual being?
1: Um, the crack in the facade about that was when I met with my mentor, Rob, for the first time in my life, I sat in front of him, never saw him before, he never saw me before, and for three hours, he told me who I was, and who my family was, and who my then wife was, why we had conflicts, why my parents had conflicts, how they behave in conflicts. Uh, Down to the T, he saw not me, he saw my soul. He saw into me. And that's looking into me was the biggest gift that I received in my life, because it allowed First of all, it brought about a completely different being state for me. And secondly, seeing that allowed me to actually step into that.
0: It's got to be an incredible situation. I feel like ultimately that's what we're all looking for is this some sort of acknowledgement or permission to be who we are. And it can come to us in very different modalities. Um, I think for me, my initial kind of insights was through like strength finders and just starting with that idea of like, well, I am different. I do have strengths. What are my unique strengths? Um, And then mine definitely progressed through to human design was a a phenomenal experience for me where I really felt seen. Do you have a favorite assessment or modality other than Rob and and his unique
2: gifts?
1: Um, I I use a variety of them and it really depends on the person, what they're ready to. We like, we like the ones that Rob does because it's, it really stretches the paradigm. You know, there, There's no unseeing, there's no undo button after you experience that. But there are different things that we, that we, that we bring into it. Human design helped me a ton. It opened a, facade, a facet for me, which, which really helped me change the way I show up in the world and mm. how, I, how I create success. Uh, another one is the one where we look at out-of-power out behaviors, as we call them, when we operate from fear, the reason why we create stress to have an understanding of that so we can just show up more empowered.
0: Yeah. I love that. What's your magic?
1: My magic is illumination magic. (laughs)
0: Love it. So is mine. (laughs) We'll we'll have to leave a link or something for people to explore that. Um, or obviously they could look at the conscious business Institute. Um, highly suggest folks research the CBI master practitioner program, which, um, this podcast is is really a, a result of that. Um, and I called it the like-minded radicals, one, because I think joining your group, I found a group of like-minded individuals and not that they're like me or they think like me, but probably exactly the opposite, that they're so different from me. But we bonded over this idea that one, we're all queuing up to change the world of work um, and two, to, to really understand our unique gifts and talents, to use them in a way to um, kind of progress that endeavor yeah, but i also I mean, chose i'll oh, go,
1: go ahead yeah i've seen that throughout my my career as a venture capitalist or even i work for accenture you're, you're probably pretty familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> and i always saw that people are having this itch that they can't quite reach Not Oh yeah, there's something missing we're talking about business we're talking about achieving things we're talking about how can i get better how can i I discover what I'm here to do and all these kind of things. But there are some deeper questions that people ask, them, ask ourselves, and we oftentimes don't have the forum to address those. Like, what's my purpose? Who am I here to be during this lifetime? How can I step into a flow that maybe 5% of our population live by, but 95% not? So how can we create um, our individual life? That seems downstream instead of upstream. And yeah. how can we create organizations that just operate by a different paradigm?
0: Yep. I, I think
2: <clears throat>
0: I'll quickly just wrap up. I, I, I chose radical because I wanted to create kind of a provocative and uncomfortable word. But I also want to create kind of a safe understanding of it. I think, you know, mm-hmm. what we're looking to do is potentially introduce something that many organizations might find somewhat radical today, but down the line, they won't, right? When Henry Ford suggested that we increase people's pay and we cut their hours and move to a five-day work week, that was seen as radical. And now, you know, we take that as as expected. Um, So getting in the door to kind of create this radical change and to create that downward flow instead of going up, how do you introduce that to organizations and do you how do you define consciousness for them in a way where they don't immediately go ooh it's kind of a woo woo word or that makes me uncomfortable
1: yeah we don't really talk about consciousness from the get go no all of us want to build a thriving organization a thriving life and so the question that we asked ourselves um, at, the, at the onset of the Conscious Business Institute is what really creates a thriving organization. What is a conscious organization where we swim downstream instead of upstream, where we create thriving environments where people want to be, where they belong, where we can create cool things together. And so we've created this model, which actually came to me in meditation, and then we validated it with, I don't know, with, with hundreds and hundreds of leaders all around the world. And it, it seems to be a model where they say, okay, if we can build an organization that way, that would be awesome. And lo and behold, if we go into this model, it ultimately comes down to consciousness, I find, because if we look at our success, our stops our success, personal success, but also business, stops exactly at the point where our consciousness has stopped growing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we can create very material success, we can become a president of an organization, but again, if we look at that individual, a CEO of a company, where their consciousness has stopped growing, maybe they feel they push people too hard their success in life will uh, be blocked, maybe it's mm. with their wife, maybe it's with their children, maybe it's employees pushing back. So the, it's a real eye opener for people to say, you know, what is it that I'm not seeing? What do I need to become conscious about that would open me up to a completely new room of possibility in my organization? Mm. It's very compelling for a lot of people.
0: It is. It certainly is. You touched a little bit on the the idea of being and and having and amassing wealth or success. Uh, I found that to be one of the most kind of eye opening. Can you quickly walk us through kind of this idea of the be do have model?
1: Yes. Um, it, it was actually another mentor that I worked with, and and she basically said our current model of success is not designed to make us happy. Our current model of success. Consciously or unconsciously that we are educated with is the reason for our suffering. Hmm. So it's a model that's a a do accumulate more and then we become models. So we are always encouraged to do more, accumulate more stuff, hoping that we will become something happy or a lawyer or wealthy or married or whatever. And we can clearly see in our world that it's not working. Yeah, it's a model that's that's a setup and nobody has told us that. Our entire culture <laughs> is based on that model. So so we asked ourselves, what's the model that would actually create thriving for us as individuals? And the model that actually creates thriving is that we have to be authentically ourselves first. And of course the first question is, what is that? Because we've been educated out of our authenticity since childhood. Yep. Yeah. We are authentic, but we don't really know what authenticity is. So, if we show up authentically, and we can see that in people that are very powerful actually on stage or Richard Branson's, there is an attraction to, to being authentic. And then, do what our gifts inspire. Again, here, our magic comes into play. If we know what our magic uh, is that we're here to bring into the world, and then we receive what we call essences, the feeling states that really drive us in life. So, that's a it's, it sounds very simplistic. But it's a fundamental shift, just like the earth is flat versus the earth is round.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, it is it's mind blowing, but it is simplistic. It's about starting with who you are. And, and I think that's one of the key kind of focus areas is for this podcast is to really celebrate that, because like you said, we've been educated out of that. I mean, my entire life, I've been masking and trying not to be different and feeling weird and, you know, not seeing my different perspective and my creativity and innovation as gifts necessarily. And for me, it was climbing the corporate ladder that started the itch. I love Mm -hmm. love that analogy, Mm -hmm. the itch, and feeling like, wait a minute, okay, like I've achieved really great success. Um, I, I love my work. I'm very proud of the work I've done, but it doesn't quite feel ease. It doesn't feel like I've done it my way. I did it the way I thought it needed to be done or I was told it was supposed to, you know, supposed to look like versus really feeling like I'm showing up with the gifts and talents that I have. And so, you know, my my hope is that we can help people understand that it's not as hard to f- to find your purpose as, as we may have made it out to be, that it really does start with you and understanding your gifts and talents, and that you don't have to quit your day job in order to, you know, find ways to express who you are. Um, it's really simple. It's about being a little bit differently. And yeah, the payoff is certainly that ease and that flow.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you have a long story to tell because you're powerful woman (laughs) and (laughs) and sometimes maybe you've been told you're too much or too too loud and those kind of things so those are the moments when we hear that we're not okay being authentic And, and so we forget and we try to compensate somehow and for me it was exactly the same way it's a different different thing than for you but we all think that we're authentic again i've never heard somebody say oh i'm not authentic yeah but we have to acknowledge that we might not know what our authenticity is. You know, when you're 50 years old and you look back at 20 and said, oh my God, I had no idea who I was. (laughs) 20, you would have said, of course I'm authentic.
0: Oh, yeah, 18. I knew exactly who I was. I think there's a lot of judgment, right? Because we're trying so hard to conform and not to be judged. We end up judging ourselves and others, and we try to mask our individuality and the things that make us different if you were to think back of your days as a venture capitalist what behaviors or activities are you doing today that your old self would have judged
2: the heck out of
1: um being kind being gentle um soft-spoken not just the hard line and focused and goal oriented, allowing things to evolve rather than having a plan and a strategy to do everything. Um, being money oriented versus being people oriented and having the, the shift that that actually works. You know, there, there are many little things. Um, yeah. I'm going to leave it at that.
0: <laughs> I love that. I'm like actually getting emotional. Like that's very powerful. I think I was expecting you. I remember what you told a story about driving in traffic and I think meditating or something I was expecting or or recently, I think, um, doing some uh, retreats or something. But that is so beautiful and powerful because there have become so many expectations placed on us for our gender Mm -hmm. roles, right? And expectations around how we'll behave. And I feel like it's one of the things I see in society is, you know, for women, we play small we you know we, we get told we're too loud we're too much um and for men you you're forced to kind of play big um so what yeah. does it look like when we actually strip away from those expectations
1: yeah yeah and i have to say i i when i spoke to one of my my advisors at that time he looked at me in the eyes and he says Peter it's your kindness and your gentleness that actually brings success. And I was nearly slapping him because I was actually fired for not being tough enough. Wow. At one point. Um, and a few years later, I was, I was in Los Angeles and I was meeting with a lady who was still getting, I think, $20,000 from the Actors Guild. And she was a very energetic woman and she said, Peter, literally, in her words, if you sit next to me in the meeting with your kindness and gentleness, I'll give you half of it. You don't need wow. to say words, just, just bring your energy along. And I said, oh, maybe there's a value to this after all.
0: I think that's what's so surprising is it's, it can be so easy, right? Yeah. Like it's supposed to be easy and we've created this hustle culture, this idea that like busy is a badge and, you know, that stress is something to be proud of. And yet the itch is definitely driven by it. but. It can't be like this. It, sh- it shouldn't have to be this hard. Like I don't, I don't have a hustle. Like I'm ambitious, but I'm a, I'm a projector in the human design. Like I don't have an energy, a constant energy source. I don't have hustle in me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that's authentically you. You're ambitious. You want to get places. You want to create something. You're a smart cookie. Um, <laughs> but again, how, how you go about doing that is is maybe the, the thing that that you're adjusting at this time. At all. Yeah. Been over a long time.
0: And that's to me, I um I love Simon Sinek and I love the <laughs> start with why. But I've been really through your course, um, that's the one I've really wrestled with is does it really start with why? Because I think if we if we really strip back everybody's why to they want to connect with other people. They want to share their experiences with other people, they want to collaborate and shift people's mindsets or shift the collective or impact others but it's the how is so hard to understand it has to start with how how am I going to use those unique gifts that I have I better be able to articulate them first of all and so for me this podcast is really about amplifying other people's voices and the work that other people are doing Um, which is why I'm really glad to celebrate you and the Conscious Business Institute. Can you just give people a quick kind of rundown around what the Conscious Business Master Program is and what they could do if if this sounds something that's appealing to them, if they are starting to feel that itch?
1: Yes. Um it's a problem that's I have to say unlike anything else, because it's it's truly transformative. I just talked to a former former client of mine that worked with him thirteen years ago and he said he's a he's a C O R of a tech company pretty a public tech company, and he says it was the single most life-changing experience that he had. Wow. And so it, it originated basically, I think, a long time ago when I was in my venture capital office and I was looking up for things. How can I work with more fulfillment and satisfaction and, and bridge this money world, this success world, with my inner search for maybe even spiritual connection or connection or some, some deeper sense of fulfillment? And I didn't find the curriculum. There was nothing out there. So I looked around, I went to Sri Lanka to do Ayurvedic retreats. I went, worked with shamans. I traveled around the globe. I did all these kind of things and um, piecemealed it together. These wisdom principles and the business principles to create this master program. So it takes us through the approach to build thriving organizations and thriving lives, which I've spoken earlier about, but to do that in a way that really touches on subjects from who are you here to be during this lifetime? Why are you creating stress? building fulfilling relationships, how can you create relationships that actually build the belonging and connection that you want? What's your purpose? How do you bring it into the world? And how do you create um, an organization around that? Um, in addition, we have a faculty, which is pretty outstanding. I mean, as far
2: yeah, as, far they as far, are.
1: Unilever, <laughs> Paul <laughs> Pullman, really incredible people. And there's the opportunity on top of that to, uh, to create out of the master program the first graduate degree master or PhD in conscious business if people choose to do to do that So it's a pretty unique little Program Big.
0: Program. And where It's a huge <laughs> program. I love it. Where would people go to find out more? Uh,
1: the easiest way is master dot dot-com master dot conscious business institute dot-com
0: Fantastic. Yeah. I mean it's certainly been life-changing for me. I think it was I was really benef- I benefited because my coach at the time actually um, was thinking about enrolling and, and she did, we did it together. Um, and I just was really struggling with this concept of, you know, okay, well now I've identified that I want to do things my way, but what does that really look like? And, you know, I've got all these other interests uh, I've started to kind of to go down the rabbit hole of near death experiences. Like, what does that have to do with business? And I remember it was literally day one and you reference near death experiences and that's part of the early curriculum and i was like whoa wait this what does this have to do with business like but this is where i should be and then i was going through masterclass and the only one i'd done was richard branson's and you used him as an example and i was like the universe is giving me signs like all of these disparate ideas and and concerns and questions like you said were starting to kind of come together and who knew? Conscious Business Institute, master program. Like that was yeah. where there were so many answers.
1: Yeah. And and thank you that, that you bring that up because I've, I feel oftentimes we still compartmentalize. We want to have a life, but like, does well, this is good for business? How do I lead? How do I manage people? But it's just life. It's, yeah. We have to look at it from a little bit more holistic perspective. How do we deal with people? Business is not about business. It's about people and, and we want all to be fulfilling our deeper human desires and our human drivers. And so how can we create organizations which are so cool because we can create something together in that way? So we need to look at it from a more holistic perspective if we really want to want to build those kind of organizations.
0: Which is exciting because I think we're starting to see organizations potentially acknowledge that maybe work-life balance isn't necessarily the right thing. I think there's Mm -hmm. a component of that but that immediately kind of creates a demarcation between the two and and I prefer to think about it as work life integration like I need tools that are going to help me do my work from anywhere right and enjoy this life that I have but still be able to contribute um and I think that idea of contribution is what drives humans right there's a human need for us to make impact it's, it's again we all kind want of to everyone's do that. why yeah I yeah.
2: want to, and we what want do to you create say- so mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What do you see as the future of work? Are we moving to a more human-centric leadership style?
1: Um, I see it a little bit more in an evolutionary perspective. Um, If if I look at it from uh, the earthworm reality, we're nudging along and we've been trying to improve employee engagement. And if you look at the statistics, not much has changed. I mean, we've tried all three Greek yogurts (laughs) and those kind of things And it's not going to change until we change our consciousness and just approach work in a little different way. Um, I don't see it happen from our human egoic standpoint. There's not much change because there's something that's holding us back and we can speak about that. But from an evolutionary perspective, I see that like the younger generations, they just want to work with purpose. If you look at Generation Y. The next generation that will come will be the indigo children, which are just more connected to each other. So they are searching for belonging and connection. And if organizations don't build that, then they won't be able to attract those kind of people. So there's we are not doing it ourselves. There's a there's a bigger evolutionary shift that's happening, mm-hmm. uh, which is very encouraging actually. So we are just midwives who are actually bringing this into the world. Yeah, and and we might kind of be on the back end of it and be the <laughs> flagger. So we might somebody who jump up and say, you know, I'm going to be part of this because it's super exciting.
0: Yeah, it's extremely exciting and I definitely feel it. And it's interesting that multiple modalities kind of talk about the idea of this shift, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that we're seeing a a shift in kind of third dimensional beings moving to the fifth dimension in human design. They talk about, you know, 2027 and a a number of things. I mean, I think even like the, you know, in in astrology, there's some major shifts, you know, unique kind of things aligning, which makes it really exciting. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I found a bit of a freedom in taking off my mask to be able to even talk about these things because they are somewhat radical. Um, hmm. but they are going to not be perceived as radical in the coming years. I have a hundred percent faith oh. in that.
1: Yeah. And and I'm speaking from California, so everybody's <laughs> on the ching ching and you go to a Whole Foods store and you read about post life regression and
2: you know, yeah. you can
1: talk to anybody on the screen. So my entire life has become totally normal to speak about these things. But I'm well aware that in, when I work in Chile or when I work in, uh, in Germany or in China or in, or in Australia, as a matter of fact, it's, it's not there yet. People no. are very uncomfortable with these topics. So we need, uh, need to find our tribe. And this is one part of the master program or while we are having this conversation as well here that Buckminster Fuller says, environment is stronger than willpower. So if we have the will to change something, we need an environment that helps us grow, that we're not a rose in the desert, but that we have some people at least that we can we can be transparent and open with, right? Without uh, constant criticism and those things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, and I think that's what the like uh, the Conscious Business Institute, the master program was certainly was for me, and why. I felt compelled to kind of create this little podcast and a community around it, which is where the like minded really comes from, is that idea of a community and and amplifying each other's voices like we've been working in this kind of zero sum game competition and, and a big premise and and foundation of conscious business or conscious capitalism is, right, how do we create a win-win for everybody? And so um, for those listening, i created uh, the club at the Like-Minded Radicals where you can kind of follow along, or if you're a service provider at the network, and you can connect with other service providers and other people who are trying to shift this, because it's going to take all of us as a collective to really put the pressure on organizations to start thinking about how they expand their consciousness. You mentioned um, we're being held back. What's holding us back?
1: Oh, (laughs) what's holding us back is our deeply ingrained survival-based mechanism that we've learned 8,000 years ago. I call it the model Ah. of surveillance, which is basically a, a, a behavioral model that we follow in our world, whether we are aware of it or not in personal relationships, in businesses, in governments, and society at large. And it's basically based on the premise that um, there's scarcity. There's not enough money, there's not enough food, there's not enough time, there's not enough this, there's not enough oil. And so all of our decisions that we make are driven by this model, or many of the decisions, if we are not in, in the flow of life. Um, so it's basically... The the belief that there's not enough out there, which we've been ingrained in our culture from early education, even our parents, and this belief has now mirrored back to us that we are not enough, which is critical. So we show up in the world getting afraid of criticism or am I good enough or do I need to work harder or do I need to make more money to feel that I'm good enough? So a lot of what we do is in compensation for this model and trying to be good enough. Yep, That's a bit of it.
0: We, we mask, <laughs> we mask these different words. We get very defensive. It's definitely the yeah. the model of dominant subservience is one of the things that really stuck with me. It's like once you once the mask has been removed, like there's no going back.
1: Yes, yeah, and and maybe just if you're a leader, if you're in in the work world, to just really sit back and say, how can I be of service to my people? How can I truly create an organization where people love being? Love yeah. coming, love contributing, love giving their best, and knowing deep down that that will benefit the profit of the organization. That yeah, but not with the profit in the back pocket and saying, "Oh, if I do this, then we'll create that." Yeah, that's one of I the think- biggest shifts which we need to make. I believe is to to move from I have the profit, the carrot in front of me, to actually genuinely speaking about, okay, how can I build a thriving organization where people love to be where we love our customer, where we love the things that we do, trusting that that will create better results.
0: Do you think that organizations focus on employee experience and workplace experience that like that experiential piece is kind of starting to get
1: there? Yeah, absolutely. If we see that, but it's, it's still, it's still a doing level. It's like, how can we create a better experience because otherwise we can't attract people. I was just talking to a big airline manufacturer and, airplane manufacturer and, and they are, I think they lose 40% of their people. That's what they're expecting and they can't replace them. They're like, holy cow, what are we gonna do? Because nobody wants to work in that conservative environment. So yes, we need to create a better, better workplace experience. They're pushed by it. But what if we genuinely want to create that? Not yeah. because we have to and it's, we put it on the to-do list and we create a strategy around it Then let's do it, but be it genuinely be Be this challenge which we are up against and that's as a leader the growth edge that we can move into
0: for me the future of work looks like the ideal future of work looks like yes a continued appreciation for creating a purpose-driven organization individuals Mm -hmm. want to feel like the company is doing good in the world they want to be galvanized around this kind of rallying cry of you know positivity But really, if you want to build a flourishing organization and you want to keep your people, then figure out how to facilitate for them individual understanding of who they are. Help them create roles for their souls, not just fit into a role, but actually, you know, identify where they want their career to go and be able to shape that role so that it aligns with their unique gifts. That's going to keep people. That's going to facilitate that that experience for me and i'm not leaving because i'm finding fulfillment in my job i guess the other component would probably be figure out how to financially reward and and create more profit sharing potentially with with your people as well and then you don't lose them lose them i think entrepreneurship in today's world we've really somewhat romanticized um not everybody is going to be a good entrepreneur. Not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. So if we really want to keep people within our larger organizations, we've got to get human and we've got to get kind of uncomfortable and weird with getting down to that granular level of those human
1: components. I love soul roll. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I think just... I have an employee I have to know what my – so already is, you know, what I'm here to express. So that discovery again we do in the master program, but that's an important discovery.
0: A hundred percent. That's where it starts. And that's overwhelming and, and it doesn't need to be. Um, you know, there are a, a ton of different types of assessments that and, and it might be Enneagram, it might be cultural values assessment, it might be the energetic leadership profile, but Getting into one of, you know, to taking that and finding the one that just like lights you up and kind of has that light bulb moment. That's where it can begin. And I want to help people understand that it, it can be easy. But that is exactly where it starts. And organizations that figure that out and figure that out quick are the ones that are going to really succeed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We have one organization, for example, it's a small, small organization. they are about 40 people now, but they're fast growing. Um Everyone, they went through the entire Conscious Business program that we do for, for an entire year and a half with their team. Wow. Everybody went through it. So it was a really amazing experience because it created this bond and understanding of each other. And it's just an amazing team. And now we still do um, the personality assessment with everyone that comes in. So everybody gets their color reading and how they fit into the team. And it's just like, oh, my God, they say we've never experienced that before. This is so cool. So just little things like that help a lot.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Especially, I mean, once you can articulate what you bring to the table, if everyone in the room can do that, then yeah, you can look at this team dynamic and go, oh, wow. Like we can make work so much more efficient and simpler and enjoyable when you're doing that task that I hate and you're doing that task and I'm doing all the things, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be, it's not going to be a hundred percent. It's always going to evolve, but I think, if we can't articulate what we're good at, there's problems and we'll never be even close to kind of crafting that experience for ourselves. Yeah. What's, what's next for Peter?
1: What's next for me? Oh my God. (laughs) I'm just releasing this book. So you're catching me on the tail end of writing the book.
0: Amazing.
1: Putting it all together. And it's a ton of work, but I'm going to release it. It's called plan B for being. Uh, a professional's guide to authentic success. So,
2: oh,
0: and when uh, is it released? Where can we find it's it?
1: It to be released next month in September. Excellent. You can find more about it at um, www.planbe.live www.planb, Yes.
0: <laughs> That's an accomplishment. Congratulations! Like that can be no easy
2: feat.
1: Thank you. It's not. I've been I started three times. I've been hearing from my guides, write a book, write a book, write a book for 20 years. And now I'm, I'm sitting down to do it. And I've I've got four or five more on the pipeline. So wow. <laughs>
2: that.
0: that that's incredible. Oh, I'm really excited for you. I might Thank be you. asking for some advice later. We'll see. I feel like my guides have been like, come on, do something right now. We'll stick with the like minded radicals. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's uh, that's a good start.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to just, you know, have these types of conversations and just hopefully share a couple of little nuggets with people that make them say, oh, that's that itch. That's what that's been.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll support it in any way I can because we need these kind of communities, this kind of exchange to literally build new neural pathways and to strengthen them and to allow what we feel to actually um, grab ground in the world.
0: Yeah. Something I like sets. that. I like that too. Questions are powerful, I think if people can start mm-hmm. to understand how they can start answering their own questions, it can lead them to then asking questions of others um that helps enlighten up some of those those pathways.
1: Yeah. And especially um as you say we need to we need to change our conversations. If we have the same conversation, we will go down the same road. But I oftentimes show when I go into organizations from the get-go. I show a circle and look at ask the people, like, how much percent of this circle do you know that you know, as a person or as a, as humanity? And of course, it's it's a tiny little sliver, right? Yeah, because most things we don't know about. And then there's a bigger bigger part, which is I know, but I don't know. Like I know, but I don't know how to fly a plane or how to do heart surgery, but I can learn it. I know that, so it's a bigger part of that. But the real interesting part is that, um, that we, the part is that we don't know that we don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we, if, if I ask people, do you know anything? And they say, no, because I don't know what I don't know. But that's where development happened. That's where shift and change happen. so we need to have in our world that's not working anymore in the way we practice here. Uh, we need to have those conversations where we explore that area where we don't know that we don't know. And the podcast, for example, is a place where you can open those conversations because you you can open that space. I've never thought about that. I didn't even know that I didn't know that. Yeah. So
0: definitely. I think that's what this has been driven from. Like, I don't know. I know. I know. I know. I don't know a lot. (laughs) That's what I do know. So this is our opportunity just to keep asking questions and keep pushing for more and and keep being curious. Um, I think that's why a podcast really spoke to me.
1: Yes. Yeah. I like to compare it to the earth is flat versus the earth is round. You know, at that time, at Copernicus' yeah. time, everybody was thinking the earth was flat. So that was knowledge in the world. And so everybody, when they were sailing to India, they were going, of course, they were going east because otherwise you'd fall off the, off the earth. <laughs> and Copernicus comes along and says, how about the earth is round? Yep. Yeah, and people who were in the flat earth, they didn't consider that. So they didn't know that they didn't know. But suddenly there is this, this new paradigm which everybody fought in the beginning. But Christopher Columbus believed in this paradigm that the Earth was round. So his, his one thought, the Earth is round, allowed him to go westwards mm-hmm. to India, opening up a completely new world. So, again, if we, if we allow this different consciousness to grab hold, if we go into that space that we don't know that we don't know, it doesn't cost work. It's one different thought. It's effortless, a different thought if we can go there, and it changes our world. It opens up a completely new world for companies, for, for people individually. And that's why this space is so intriguing for organizations to explore, but also for us individually, of course.
0: Yep. It was a radical idea.
1: Yeah. Exactly. That is a
0: radical thought. I love it. I love it. Um, I feel like I'm going to end on that because that's kind of a, a mic drop. Um, I am so glad to have you. It really, could, I couldn't have kicked off this, this podcast without you. Um, you were inevitably the, the only person who could be the first guest. So appreciative of you spending time with me and, and with our listeners and really just for being kind of the catalyst behind this. Um, really excited to continue to work with the Conscious Business Institute. Highly suggest everyone check them out. Um Peter, thank you. Best of luck and success on your new book coming out. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, thank you, Kendra. It's I'm honored to be your oh. first guest and, and I'd like to support in any way I can. So,
0: thank you. Thanks for doing what you do. Have a great day.
1: You too.